We can all remember the good old days when games were shipped on a cartridge and what you received was the finished product. Things are always changing and usually for the better. We don't get milk delivered to the door anymore and gas stations typically aren't full serve anymore. In fact, about a half a million cars on the road don't even need gas stations anymore. Gaming has evolved too. We can now play online with friends around the world. If we don't want to, we don't have to leave our house to buy the latest game release or even the latest console release. And patches can sometimes fix things that would have been forever locked on a cartridge. The unfortunate side effect in the modern generation of gaming, especially in the last decade, is that games seem to be shipping with more and more problems than ever before. There are a lot of reasons that this could be happening more frequently, including internal and external pressure. Companies like EA, Take-Two, Ubisoft, Activision Blizzard, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, and CD Projekt Red are all publicly traded companies. This usually means that delaying a game is going to affect the stock negatively and not shipping a game during a certain fiscal period when it's expected will likely result in a massive net loss. Internally, there are plenty of other reasons why a company might ship a game early, including bonuses for the executives if a game is shipped within a certain window. We've all seen the memes by now, watched all the reviews, and read the public statements that CD Projekt Red has released. Cyberpunk 2077 is a very bad launch, plain and simple. But this launch seems to echo poor launches of the past, where things go from bad to worse. First, there were multiple delays, then plenty of stories about Crunchyroll's, and then it was withholding the console version from reviewers, knowing that it was a broken and buggy mess, which didn't even come close to the vision that they initially shared. Post-release, there's been public statements that lack genuine regret and talking about certification skipping and the return debacle to now Sony pulling Cyberpunk 2077 from the PSN. When thinking about the launch, there are three specific launches of the past generation that echo aspects of the Cyberpunk 2077 and its messy launch. No Man's Sky was one of the most hyped games of the year, Anthem was a game that was coming from a very trusted studio who has since fallen from grace, and Fallout 76 felt like the problems just kept piling on during the launch window. Now, with a precedent of bad launches available from the recent generation, what can we expect to happen with CD Projekt Red moving forward? BioWare was once considered to be one of the gaming industry's elite developers who excelled in their field. What we are seeing with poor launches and what will become a pattern is that even if a game is broken upon release, this is still a time to gain or lose trust of your audience. The hands of time can never be turned back, but it is possible to salvage things and prove to everyone that no matter what happens, the company is going to stand behind the product. It would be very easy to throw all of the blame on Bioware's descent on EA, but I don't think that that would be completely accurate, as we have seen with an in-depth report from Jason Schreier during his time in Kotaku. Obviously, EA has closed many beloved studios, including Pandemic, Visceral, and Maxis. However, 
We've seen companies show considerable success with EA, most notably and most recent being Respawn Entertainment, who released both Apex Legends and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, both to commercial and critical success. Fallen Order was a little buggy at the time of its release, but the bones were very good and the product had enough good qualities to easily overlook a few blemishes. BioWare was acquired by EA in 2007, the same year that Mass Effect was released, meaning that the first entry was clearly in the works long before EA came into the picture. Post-acquisition, they also released Mass Effect 2, Mass Effect 3, Dragon Age Origins, Dragon Age 2, Star Wars The Old Republic, and Dragon Age Inquisition to name a few of the more high-profile releases that came out of Bioware post-EA. All of these games had varying degrees of success, whether that was commercial, critical, cult, or all three. The pitchforks for EA didn't start until Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem both released in poor condition, lacking polish and refinement. For Mass Effect Andromeda, Bioware put most of the blame on the Frostbite engine, which EA was trying to implement across all of their series including their sports titles and shooters. In theory, this makes sense as asset sharing across all studios within EA should make development smoother and quicker as well as using an in-house engine is going to be cheaper than paying for an external engine. There have been many articles depicting just how difficult Frostbite was to develop for Andromeda, but I think that more of the problem should lay at the feet of Bioware and how they took one of their most beloved franchises and gave it to an unknown team at Bioware Montreal instead of Bioware Edmonton, who had been fully behind the series up until this point. Dragon Age Inquisition was made using the Frostbite engine and that game took home many of the Game of Year awards, which means that Bioware does know how to develop just fine using this engine. Sadly, the blame for Bioware should lay at their feet. As documented, the major reasoning for the failures and poor launches of their last few games have been that the studio expects Bioware magic to take place. Dragon Age Inquisition won many outlets Game of the Year award, but the development was quite problematic and didn't truly come together until the very end of the project. And the takeaway for Bioware was that no matter how bad things get, a little extra hard work, elbow grease, and talent means that the project will come together as expected. As always, history does have a tendency to repeat itself with Bioware having announced the next Dragon Age game at the Game Awards in 2019, but then doubled down showing a trailer for a new Mass Effect this year at this Game Awards. It doesn't matter that the studio is over 800 people or that it has the financial support of EA. What's important is that Bioware seems to once again be using their old mentality. Anthem is still a very broken game despite launching in early 2018 and since being publicly discussed by the studio that a full rework is happening titled Anthem Next or Anthem 2.0 and the most recent update happened near the end of 2020 with more information depicting a game much closer to the resemblance of Destiny which begs the question, why play this over Destiny? And this came from the Bioware blog, but it shared no hint of when any of this content can be expected. The issue at hand is that Bioware has been largely silent on just when Anthem 2.0 can be expected, and this doesn't even consider the most recent departure of a few key figures from the studio with Casey Hudson and Mark Dara leaving. 
Hudson was essentially seen by many as the savior for the studio upon his return. Now, despite a few poor launches while he was there, the thought was that he didn't have full control from beginning to end. And as much hope as you can have for Bioware moving forward for their next titles, they don't seem to understand that fixing Anthem would do a lot more goodwill for the studio than announcing new games that are very far off. A large factor prior to the launch of any new games from Bioware will be if they have released Anthem 2.0 or not. Now, If the company has remained silent and the next Dragon Age is released, gamers will be very pessimistic which could lead to the slightest issue getting overblown. In its current form, Bioware still hasn't recovered from poor launches of Andromeda and Anthem. Bethesda's Fallout 76 seemed to keep having one bad press mishap after the other. Obviously, the game being critically panned was the first issue, but then things just kept getting worse. There was a pre-order canvas bag that came with the special edition of the game, and it was sent out to influencers. However, when consumers received their bag, it was not the same bag that was shown. Instead, it was a very cheap-looking nylon bag. Bethesda tried to remedy this situation by offering in-game credits to everyone who purchased a special edition. The problem is that they only ended up looking cheap by offering the equivalent of about $5, which wasn't enough to buy almost anything in the shop and was not anywhere close to buy a new bag. They did realize after more backlash that people were not happy with the amends that they tried to make. They finally offered the Candace bag to anyone who filled out the proper support documents on their site. Sadly, there was some type of glitch in their support system that allowed users to see all personal data of anyone else who had filled out the required support docs, including address, full name, and some payment information. There was also a Fallout-themed helmet that was offered in partnership with GameStop. However, a bunch of them needed to be recalled due to high levels of mold. Any of these issues on their own aren't that big of a deal to get blown out of proportion. Games get poorly reviewed often, sometimes you don't get exactly what you ordered, and sometimes what you do get can easily be faulty. Instead, it's how these occurrences just kept happening one after the other, stacking on top and making a bad situation look much, much worse. As for Fallout 76, eventually it was patched and updated with enough new features that were absent at launch and received improved scores since. Fallout 76 didn't do a full turnaround like our next example, but they took some lumps, they tried to make as much right as they could, earning back the trust of some, and they have done more for Fallout and the Bethesda name than Bioware has done for itself and its recent titles. Prior to the release of No Man's Sky, the biggest and only release to come from the team at Hello Games was Joe Danger and its subsequently released sequels and mobile version. In terms of exclusive games in 2016, the PlayStation 4 was lacking in mainstream titles with the exception of Uncharted 4 A Thief's End. There were plenty of great games for the PlayStation in 2016, but they either weren't exclusive to the PlayStation 4 or they didn't have mainstream appeal. This is where No Man's Sky and Fate meet. No Man's Sky was a small independent title from a small British team at Hello Games with the concept of infinite procedurally generated planets to explore. Essentially a never-ending exploration game to get lost in the vast depth of over 18 quintillion planets. 
Unfortunately, with a massive marketing campaign and publishing help from Sony, No Man's Sky and its expectations grew well beyond its independent development. A major problem was that instead of having a PR firm help deal with the marketing of the game, it was all left up to Hello Games and their frontman Sean Murray. In a 2018 interview with The Guardian, Murray remembers being naive and overly excited about my game. Unfortunately, it was this angle that gave gamers their potential view into the upcoming world of No Man's Sky, which would send expectations, well, skyrocketing. There were many features that were shown in preview coverage or discussed during interviews to be in the game, but somewhere along the way, they had to be trimmed from the product that launched, and this drew the ire of the angry video gamers, and just look at how mad some people got when the puddles were a little different in 2018 Spider-Man, an all-around excellent game that instead of focusing on the amazing aspects, some people chose to focus on puddles. Hello Games were thrust into a new position completely unfamiliar to Sean Murray and everyone else there. Sometimes, however, we are able to grow through these challenging experiences and what the team did after the backlash upon the release of No Man's Sky was very unconventional. They went silent and avoided any press or public statements that would be misconstrued. Hello Games put their heads down and got back to work hard on No Man's Sky to try and bring the game to the vision that the team had initially. However, we've heard the promise of we will make the game better or we will fix it from developers many times over the last generation, so it was interesting to see how this would play out. What Hello Games has done with No Man's Sky between its misrepresented launch and now is nothing short of remarkable. If my count is right, then Hello Games has updated the game with 14 major patches with the first coming about 6 months after its release. All of these updates were done at no extra cost to the gamers who originally purchased the game and without flooding it with microtransactions which could have been an easy move for the whales that were still around. The game even currently supports PlayStation VR and has an updated PlayStation 5 mode with all the bells and whistles. All of this work should now have earned back the trust of the people who felt burned by No Man's Sky and at the very least has told gamers and the rest of the gaming industry that Hello Games will stand behind their products until it's right. No Man's Sky even took home the award for best ongoing game at the 2020 Game Awards, beating out huge AAA titles including Destiny 2, Apex Legends, Warzone, and even Fortnite. It may be too late for No Man's Sky to get the smashing success level that it was hyped up to be, but whatever big title Hello Games does next will surely get everyone's attention, which is something that wouldn't have been said after the launch of No Man's Sky in 2016. Hello Games are a shining example of how to properly rebound from a bad launch. Just how bad is a broken launch for a studio? That seems to fully depend on how the studio stands behind their game and what they do moving forward. No one wants to spend their money on something that isn't fun or doesn't work, but everyone does seem to appreciate a good comeback story. We've seen many different case studies on how damaging a bad launch can be for a studio, but we have also seen how lemons can be turned into lemonade. Hello Games is the clear case study in what happens when something isn't right and how to make it better. 
for all of the people that bought the game on day one and stuck around, Sean Murray and the rest of the team at Hello Games have stuck behind their initial vision and continued to provide value for those gamers. CD Projekt Red is currently in the midst of seeing damaging effects of the poor launch of Cyberpunk 2077. However they choose to proceed over the next coming few years will alter the course of history for the studio. They have tarnished the trust behind the brand, but with meaningful updates, patches, DLCs, and anything else they can throw at Cyberpunk, they could eventually turn this story around. That's all for the Video Games Podcast this week. As we can see, nothing is ever set in stone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and looking how some studios over the past gen have handled their poor launches. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't, please consider subscribing or leaving a positive review. And as always, remember to be nice to your fellow gamer, and more importantly, please be nice to your fellow human. Thank you.